Chapter forty eight of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume two, twenty years after, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The riot becomes a revolution. The closet into which D'Artagnan and Porthos had been ushered was separated from the drawing room where the queen was by tapestried curtains only, and this thin partition enabled them to hear all that passed in the adjoining room whilst the aperture between the two hangings, small as it was, permitted them to see. The queen was standing in the room, pale with anger. Her self-control, however, was so great that it might have been imagined that she was calm. Cominges, Velloquier, and Guitant were behind her, and the women again were behind the men. The Chancellor Secure, who twenty years previously had persecuted her so ruthlessly, stood before her, relating how his carriage had been smashed how he had been pursued and had rushed into the hotel d'eau that the hotel was immediately invaded pillaged and devastated happily he had time to reach a closet hidden behind tapestry in which he was secreted by an old woman together with his brother the bishop of meaux then the danger was so imminent the rioters came so near uttering such threats that the chancellor thought his last hour had come and confessed himself to his brother priest so as to be all ready to die in case he was discovered fortunately however he had not been taken the people believing that he had escaped by some back entrance retired and left him at liberty to retreat then disguised in the clothes of the marquis d'eau he had left the hotel stumbling over the bodies of an officer and two guards who had been killed whilst defending the street door during the recital, Mazarin entered and glided noiselessly up to the queen to listen. "'Well,' said the queen when the chancellor had finished speaking, "'what do you think of it all?' "'I think that matters look very gloomy, madame.' "'But what step would you propose to me?' "'I could propose one to your majesty, but I dare not.' "'You may, you may, sir.' said the queen with a bitter smile you were not so timid once the chancellor reddened and stammered some words it is not a question of the past but of the present said the queen you said you could give me advice what is it madam said the chancellor hesitating it would be to release broussel the queen although already pale became visibly paler and her face was contracted release broussel she cried never at this moment steps were heard in the ante-room and without any announcement the marechal de la maillerie appeared at the door ah there you are marechal cried anne of austria joyfully i trust you have brought this rabble to reason madame replied the marechal i have left three men on the pont neuf four at the halle six at the corner of the rue de l'arbre sec and two at the door of your palace fifteen in all i have brought away ten or twelve wounded i know not where i have left my hat and in all probability i should have been left with my hat had the coadjutor not arrived in time to rescue me ah indeed said the queen it would have much astonished me if that low cur with his distorted legs had not been mixed up with all this madame said la Maillere, 
do not say too much against him before me for the service he rendered me is still fresh very good said the queen be as grateful as you like it does not implicate me you are here safe and sound that is all i wished for you are not only welcome but welcome back yes madame but i only came back on one condition that i would transmit to your majesty the will of the people the will exclaimed the queen frowning oh oh monsieur marechal you must indeed have found yourself in wondrous peril to have undertaken so strange a commission the irony with which these words were uttered did not escape the marechal pardon me madame he said i am not a lawyer i am a mere soldier and probably therefore i do not quite comprehend the value of certain words i ought to have said the wishes and not the will of the people as for what you do me the honor to say i presume you mean i was afraid the queen smiled well then madam yes i did feel fear and though i have been through twelve pitched battles and i cannot count how many charges and skirmishes i own for the third time in my life i was afraid yes and i would rather face your majesty however threatening your smile than face those demons who accompanied me hither and who sprung from i know not whence unless from deepest hell bravo said d'artagnan in a whisper to porthos well answered well said the queen biting her lips whilst her courtiers looked at each other with surprise what is the desire of my people that broussel shall be given up to them madame never said the queen never your majesty is mistress said la maillerie retreating a few steps where are you going marechal asked the queen to give your majesty's reply to those who await it stay marechal i will not appear to parley with rebels madame i have pledged my word and unless you order me to be arrested i shall be forced to return anne of austria's eyes shot glances of fire oh that is no impediment sir she said i have had greater men than you arrested guitant mazarin sprang forward and madame said he if i dared in my turn to advise would it be to give up broussel sir if so you can spare yourself the trouble no said mazarin although uh, perhaps that counsel is as good as any other then what may it be to call for monsieur le coadjuteur the coadjutor cried the queen that dreadful mischief-maker it is he who has raised all this revolt the more reason said mazarin if he has raised it he can put it down and hold madame suggested comminges who was near a window out of which he could see hold the moment is a happy one for there he is now giving his blessing in the square of the palais royal the queen sprang to the window it is true she said the arch-hypocrite see 
I see, said Mazarin, that everybody kneels before him, although he be but coadjutor, whilst I, were I in his place, although I am cardinal, should be torn to pieces. I persist, then, madame, in my wish, he laid an emphasis on the word, that your majesty should receive the coadjutor. And wherefore do you not say like the rest your will replied the queen in a low voice mazarin bowed monsieur le marechal said the queen after a moment's reflection go and find the coadjutor and bring him to me and what shall i say to the people that they must have patience said anne as i have the fiery spanish woman spoke in a tone so imperative that the marechal made no reply he bowed and went out d'artagnan turned to porthos how will this end he said we shall soon see said porthos in his tranquil way in the meantime anne of austria approached comminges and conversed with him in a subdued tone while mazarin glanced uneasily at the corner occupied by d'artagnan and porthos ere long the door opened and the marechal entered followed by the coadjutor and there madame he said is monsieur gondy who hastens to obey your majesty's summons the queen advanced a few steps to meet him and then stopped cold severe unmoved with her lower lips scornfully protruded gondy bowed respectfully well sir said the queen what is your opinion of this riot that it is no longer a riot madame he replied but a revolt the revolt is at the door of those who think my people can rebel cried anne unable to dissimulate before the coadjutor whom she looked upon and probably with reason as the promoter of the tumult revolt thus it is called by those who have wished for this demonstration and who are perhaps the cause of it but wait wait the king's authority will put all this to rights was it to tell me that madame coldly replied gondy that your majesty admitted me to the honor of entering your presence no my dear coadjutor said mazarin it was to ask your advice in the unhappy dilemma in which we find ourselves it is true asked gondy feigning astonishment that her majesty summoned me to ask for my opinion yes said the queen it is requested the coadjutor bowed your majesty wishes then you to say what you would do in her place mazarin hastened to reply the coadjutor looked at the queen who replied by a sign in the affirmative were i in her majesty's place said gondy coldly i should not hesitate i should release Bruxelles. and if i do not give him up what think you will be the result exclaimed the queen i believe that not a stone in paris will remain unturned put in the marechal it was not your opinion that i asked said the queen sharply without even turning around 
"'If it is I whom your majesty interrogates,' replied the coadjutor in the same calm manner, "'I reply that I hold Monsieur le Maréchal's opinion in every respect.' The color mounted to the queen's face. Her fine blue eyes seemed to start out of her head, and her carmine lips, compared by all the poets of the day to a pomegranate in flower, were trembling with anger. Mazarin himself, who was well accustomed to the domestic outbreaks of this disturbed household, was alarmed. "'Give up Broussel!' she cried. "'Fine counsel, indeed, upon my word! One can easily see it comes from a priest!' Gondy remained firm, and the abuse of the day seemed to glide over his head as the sarcasms of the evening before had done. But hatred and revenge were accumulating in his heart silently and drop by drop. He looked coldly at the queen, who nudged Mazarin to make him say something in his turn. Mazarin, according to his custom, was thinking much and saying little. "'Ho, ho!' said he. "'Good advice!' advice of a friend i too would give up that good monsieur broussel dead or alive and all would be at an end if you yield him dead all will indeed be at an end my lord but quite otherwise than you mean did i say dead or alive replied mazarin it was only a way of speaking you know i am not familiar with the french language with you monsieur le coadjuteur both speak and write so well this is a council of state d'artagnan remarked to porthos but we held better ones at la rochelle with athos and aramis at the saint gervais bastion said porthos there and elsewhere the coadjutor let the storm pass over his head and resumed still with the same tranquillity madame if the opinion i have submitted to you does not please you it is doubtless because you have better counsels to follow i know too well the wisdom of the queen and that of her advisers to suppose that they will leave the capital long in trouble that may lead to a revolution thus then it is your opinion said anne of austria with a sneer and biting her lips with rage that yesterday's riot which to-day is already a rebellion to-morrow may become a revolution yes madame replied the coadjutor gravely but if i am to believe you sir the people seem to have thrown off all restraint it is a bad year for kings said gondy shaking his head look at england madame yes but fortunately we have no oliver cromwell in france replied the queen who knows said gondy such men are like thunderbolts one recognizes them only when they have struck everyone shuddered and there was a moment of silence during which the queen pressed her hand to her side evidently to still the beatings of her heart porthos murmured d'artagnan look well at that priest yes said porthos i see him what then well he is a man porthos looked at d'artagnan in astonishment evidently he did not understand his meaning your majesty continued the coadjutor pitilessly is about to take such measures as seem good to you but i foresee that they will be violent 
and such as will still further exasperate the rioters in that case you monsieur le coadjutor who have such power over them and are at the same time friendly to us said the queen ironically will quiet them by bestowing your blessing upon them perhaps it will be too late said gondy still unmoved perhaps i shall have lost all influence while by giving up Roussel, your majesty will strike at the root of the sedition and will gain the right to punish severely any revival of the revolt have i not then that right cried the queen if you have it use it replied gondy peste said d'artagnan to porthos there is a man after my own heart oh if he were minister and i were his d'artagnan instead of belonging to that beast of a mazarin mon dieu what fine things we would do together yes said porthos the queen made a sign for everyone except mazarin to quit the room and gondy bowed as if to leave with the rest stay sir said anne to him good thought gondy she is going to yield she is going to have him killed said d'artagnan to porthos but at all events it shall not be by me i swear by heaven on the contrary that if they fall upon him i will fall upon them and i too said porthos good muttered mazarin sitting down we shall soon see something startling the queen's eyes followed the retreating figures and when the last had closed the door she turned away it was evident that she was making unnatural efforts to subdue her anger she fanned herself smelled at her vinaigrette and walked up and down gondy who began to feel uneasy examined the tapestry with his eyes touched the coat of mail which he wore under his long gown and felt from time to time to see if the handle of a good spanish dagger which was hidden under his cloak was well within reach and now at last said the queen now that we are alone repeat your counsel monsieur le coadjutor it is madame that you should appear to have reflected and publicly acknowledge an error which constitutes the extra strength of a strong government release broussel from prison and give him back to the people oh cried anne to humble myself thus am i or am i not the queen the screaming mob are they or are they not my subjects have i friends have i guards oh, by notre dame as queen catherine used to say continued she excited by her own words rather than give up this infamous broussel to them i will strangle him with my own hands and she sprang toward gondy whom assuredly at that moment she hated more than broussel with outstretched arms the coadjutor remained immovable and not a muscle of his face was discomposed only his glance flashed like a sword in returning the furious looks of the queen he were a dead man said the gascon if there were still a vitry at the court or if vitry entered at this moment but for my part before he could reach the good prelate i would kill vitry at once the cardinal would be infinitely pleased with me hush said porthos listen madame cried the cardinal seizing hold of anne and drawing her back madame what are you about then he added in spanish anne are you mad 
you a queen to quarrel like a washerwoman and do you not perceive that in the person of this priest is represented the whole people of paris and that it is dangerous to insult him at this moment and if this priest wished it in an hour you would be without a crown come then on another occasion you can be firm and strong but to-day is not the proper time to-day flatter and caress or you are only a common woman at the first words of this address d'artagnan had seized porthos's arms which he pressed with gradual increasing force when mazarin ceased speaking he said to porthos in a low tone never tell mazarin that i understand spanish or i am a lost man and you are also all right said porthos this rough appeal marked by the eloquence which characterized mazarin when he spoke in italian or spanish and which he lost entirely in speaking french was uttered with such impenetrable expression that gondy clever physiognomist as he was had no suspicion of its being more than a simple warning to be more subdued the queen on her part thus chided softened immediately and sat down and in almost weeping voice letting her arms fall by her side said pardon me sir and attribute this violence to what i suffer a woman and consequently subject to the weaknesses of my sex i am alarmed at the idea of civil war a queen accustomed to be obeyed i am excited at the first opposition madame replied gondy bowing your majesty is mistaken in qualifying my sincere advice as opposition your majesty is none but submissive and respectful subjects it is not the queen with whom the people are displeased they ask for Bruxelles and are only too happy if you release him to them to live under your government mazarin who at the words it is not the queen with whom the people are displeased had pricked up his ears thinking that the coadjutor was about to speak of the cries down with mazarin and pleased with gondy's suppression of this fact he said with his sweetest voice and most gracious expression madame credit the coadjutor who is one of the most able politicians we have the first available cardinal's hat seems to belong already to his noble brow ah how much you have need of me cunning rogue thought gondy and what will he promise us said d'artagnan peste if he is giving away hats like that porthos let us look out and both demand a regiment to-morrow let the civil war last but one year and i will have a constable's sword gilt for me and for me put in porthos for you i will give you the baton of the marechal de la maillerie who does not seem to be much in favor just now and so sir said the queen you are seriously afraid of a public tumult seriously said gondy astonished at not having further advanced i fear that when the torrent has broken its embankment it will cause fearful destruction and i said the queen think that in such a case other embankments should be raised to oppose it go i will reflect gondy looked at mazarin astonished and mazarin approached the queen to speak to her but at this moment a frightful tumult arose from the square of the palais royal gondy smiled 
the queen's color rose and mazarin grew even paler what is that again he asked at this moment comminge rushed into the room pardon your majesty he cried but the people have dashed the sentinels against the gates and they are now forcing the doors what are your commands listen madame said gondy the moaning of waves the noise of thunder the roaring of a volcano cannot be compared with the tempest of cries heard at that moment what are my commands said the queen yes for time presses how many men have you about the palais royal six hundred place a hundred around the king and with the remainder sweep away this mob for me madame cried mazarin what are you about go said the queen comminge went out with a soldier's passive obedience at this moment a monstrous battering was heard one of the gates began to yield oh madame cried mazarin you have ruined us all the king yourself and me at this cry from the soul of the frightened cardinal anne became alarmed in her turn and would have recalled comminge it is too late said mazarin tearing his hair too late the gale had given way hoarse shouts were heard from the excited mob d'artagnan put his hand to his sword motioning to porthos to follow his example save the queen cried mazarin to the coadjutor gondy sprang to the window and threw it open he recognized louviere at the head of a troop of about three or four thousand men not a step further he shouted the queen is signing what are you saying asked the queen the truth madame said mazarin placing a pen and paper before her you must then he added sign Anne. I implore you, I command you. The queen fell into a chair, took the pen, and signed. The people kept back by Louviere had not made another step forward, but the awful murmuring which indicates an angry people continued. The queen had written, The keeper of the prison at Saint-Germain will set Councillor Broussel at liberty. And she had signed it. The coadjutor, whose eyes devoured her slightest movement, seized the paper immediately the signature had been affixed to it, returned to the window, and waved it in his hand. "'This is the order,' he said. All Paris seemed to shout with joy. Then the air resounded with cries of, "'Long live Bruxelles! Long live the coadjutor!' "'Long live the queen!' cried de Gondy. But the cries which replied to his were poor and few— and perhaps he had but uttered it to make Anne of Austria sensible of her weakness. "'And now that you have obtained what you want, go,' said she, "'Monsieur de Gondy.' "'Whenever Her Majesty has need of me,' replied the coadjutor, bowing, "'Her Majesty knows I am at her command.' "'Ah, cursed priest!' cried Anne, when he had retired, stretching out her arm to the scarcely closed door, one day i will make you drink the dregs of the atrocious gall you have poured out on me to-day mazarin wished to approach her leave me she exclaimed you are not a man and she went out of the room it is you who are not a woman muttered mazarin then after a moment of reverie he remembered where he had left d'artagnan and porthos 
and that they must have overheard everything. He knit his brows and went direct to the tapestry which he pushed aside. The closet was empty. At the queen's last word, D'Artagnan had dragged Porthos into the gallery. Thither Mazarin went in his turn and found the two friends walking up and down. "'Why did you leave the closet, Monsieur D'Artagnan?' asked the cardinal. "'Because,' replied D'Artagnan, "'the queen desired everyone to leave, and I thought that this command was intended for us as well as for the rest.' "'And you have been here since?' "'About a quarter of an hour.' said d'artagnan motioning to porthos not to contradict him mazarin saw the sign and remained convinced that d'artagnan had seen and heard everything but he was pleased with his falsehood decidedly monsieur d'artagnan you are the man i have been seeking you may reckon upon me and so may your friend then bowing to the two musketeers with his most gracious smile he re-entered his closet more calmly for on the departure of de Gondi, the uproar had ceased as though by enchantment. End of chapter 48. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.